I was just thinking about this uh, passage while we were worshiping. It's out of John 14, which some of you may or may not know that John 13 through 17 has been the key passage um, that has brought this group of the six of us together this week. Um, But there's this fascination I've been having with this entire discourse. And um, in John 14, verse 21, it says, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father. And I will love him and manifest myself to him. Verse 23, Jesus says, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my father will love him. And we will come to him and make our home with him. Man, I hope that never gets old to you. Okay, you're talking about almighty God saying, I will come to you and make my home with you. So I think about that as I walk up onto a stage. It's like God has made his home in me. God almighty The God of Revelation 4 somehow abides in me and loves me. That's what the whole cross was about, was to bring us together so that we could be one. I just want to take some time before I do anything else and just thank God for our union with him made possible by the blood of Jesus Christ. Father, we are so humbled right now that you would choose us to be one with you, that you wanted us to be one with you. And you sacrificed, you suffered to make us one with you. God, I pray I would die before that truth gets old to me. Please, Lord, may we grow in that fascination. Even right now, this second, may your spirit fall on us so we are fascinated that we are one with you. What is man that you are mindful of him? We praise you, almighty God, for what you did to make us one. In Jesus' precious, holy, wonderful, beautiful name we pray. Amen. As I prayed for tonight, I had some, uh, some thoughts about the send, but before I even get to that, uh, I was thinking, you know, this, this kind of wraps up this kind of six night thing that we've had with the six of us. And I, I want to say some words about that because uh, first I want to thank the IHOP family because of the love that you've shown 
how much love you've shown us as leaders, as and the way you've hosted us and loved us and loved our families. Crazy things have happened in my personal family um, because of this week. I, I, it's just been it's just been too much to explain. There's there's no way on earth I can come up here and even try to summarize what has happened during those six days. It's just I, I, I there's there's no way. I don't think I've ever had a time in my life where I had an experience for such a period of time and go, I can't explain it to you. I just can't. It's, it's too much. As I said one night, I go, I feel like my whole life has been like, I've been studying this book for 40 years. I became a believer when I was 14 years oldish, you know, in high school and studying every year. And there was always like just this gap between what I would study and what I'd see in scripture, and then what I experience. And while I was kind of closing in on the gap a little bit, it really wasn't until this week that everything really came together for me. Where I'm going, we are living out this book. Being with this, it, it's, you guys, I'm not exaggerating. Listen to every talk I've ever given. I mean, don't do that, but I've never said that, okay? Something crazy happened. Something fascinating happened, and there's no way I can summarize. I want to read a passage from um, Ephesians 4, and I've just been thanking Jesus for these last couple of weeks. But Ephesians 4, verse 1 says, I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness with patience bearing with one another in love eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace I feel like this passage was so real these last couple days, this last couple weeks. When he's urging us to walk in a manner that's worthy of the calling to which we've been called, with all humility and gentleness and with patience, bearing with one another in love. I, I love that that phrase, bearing with one another in love, is followed by eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. He says, Here, here's how, if you want to live a life that's honoring to, to God, then in patience, put up with each other. Put up with me, because I'm going to let you down. Put up with me, because I'm going to sin against you. And he says, be eager to maintain the unity of the spirit. Spirit fall on us. Let it rain. Let it.
Let it rain, Lord, please. May this really be about your spirit, God. I don't want to speak words of the flesh, God. May this be a blessing from you, God. Empower the words that are about to come out of my mouth to bring people to unity with you and with each other in this room in a miraculous way. In Jesus' name, amen. When we were in Orlando at the First Send Conference, there was a moment when we just felt like God's power was going to fall. And it began to rain at that moment. And the whole stadium started singing that. And so I don't think it's coincidence. Um, if you listen to everything that has happened leading up to Kansas City and the Send, if you can listen to all those miracles and stories and say, I think it's coincidence. I would say you are irrational. <laughs> Seriously, for me, to, for me to take everything that I've experienced just in these two weeks, I mean, I would have to just, I, 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 it's, it's like it, there's, there's no logic whatsoever. It would take so, such a ridiculous faith to believe that it's all coincidence. You, you don't know everything that I've experienced these last two weeks right here. It's blown my mind. And at the end of it, I'm expecting something more even tonight. I just, I believe that. And I have some words and I believe they're of the Lord. Um, I've been thrilled about the unity of these streams coming together like we talked about. And God blesses unity. Okay? But I also want you to understand because, I mean, we can get all excited. Oh, yeah, we're one. We're one. We're one. We're unified. But there re there's a reason why it says bear with one another. Because you're eager to maintain the unity. There's a reason why it says bear with one another. Because there is a cost to unity. There is a cost to unity. And I am not oblivious to the cost of unity. Because we live in a time... Especially now, when I decide to join myself with these five guys, the moment I commit to uniting with them, I inherit something. I inherit all of their enemies. Seriously, think about this. The moment, the moment I decide I love Mike Bickle, he is my brother in Christ. You know what happens at that moment? Everyone who hates Mike Bickle sees me affirming him and they turn their rage towards me. So I understand the cost of friendship in this generation. But I'm going to do it anyways. That, that, that's what this is about. 
So why would I do this? And I, I say this to some of you Gen Zers who are obsessed with popularity. If you do that, you will, you will betray your friends. Because your generation is all about becoming famous and getting followers, whether on Instagram, Facebook, whatever. And so, so there's a very, because you it happened to Peter. It happened to Peter. Wait, aren't you one? No. Why? Because he didn't want the enemies of Jesus to suddenly look at him. And so he betrayed him at that time. It broke his heart that he was a betrayer at that moment. That's why Jesus had to come after the resurrection and, 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 and pay special attention to Peter, I believe. Because he betrayed him. Three times denied him. Why? Because he didn't want Jesus' enemies to suddenly be his enemies. There's a cost. And so if you're out to become popular, you're going to have to betray people. And that's what's going to happen in the end times. And there's that type of culture. But I've committed to your leader, Mike Bickle, um, number one, because I fear God. I fear God. I, 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 and according to those passages I read in John 14 just now, God dwells in Mike Bickle. Okay, that's, that's, a, that's a terrifying thought that God, okay, we're, sometimes we, we, we say things as Christians so often that we lose the weight of it. Oh, the Spirit's in me. Oh, the Spirit's in you. Do you understand the weight of that statement? Okay, there's a being in heaven that, that, that he says, you can't even look at me or you would die. No man would survive that to see him. He's a being who says earth and the entire earth appears. And then that God says, I will come into your human body. And so when I look at Mike and I think, whoa, almighty God has chosen to abide in him. And he is a, a part of the body of Christ. I don't dare divide from him when I see the spirit of God in a man. It's out of my fear of God it's out of my love for him. And it's out of my need for him. Because that same passage in Ephesians 4 goes on to say in verse 11 that he gave, well, let's go back. Um, verse 5. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower regions of the earth? 
He who descended is the one who also ascended far above the heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith. And of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So it talks about this Jesus who gives gifts to men. And then a couple verses later, he explains what those gifts are. It says, he gave us these apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists, shepherds. It was a gift And when I look at Mike's life, I go, wow, he's a gift to me. The other day in the prayer room, I'm just watching him. I'm going, God, thank you for that gift in my life. I I, I don't want to take a, see, what we've done for many years is we've taken, you know how 1 Corinthians 12 says, the eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. But the body of Christ has done that. They go, well, you're a little different from me, so I don't need you. I'll do my own church. I'll have my own independent thing where I can lead because I don't need you. Rather than realizing, no, that's a gift from God and I need him. You see, when we divide, we miss out. There's another reason why I've committed to Mike. I don't want to miss out on 50 years of committed Bible study and teaching that he's shown. I don't want to miss out from all of his stories, the lifetime of experiences and stories. I've never seen anything like that. I don't want to miss out on the fellowship with a guy whom the word of God was not just studied, but it was implanted in his heart to the point where he sacrifices. Who wants to be say, I don't need you, to a guy who has led a movement of 24-7 prayer for over 20 years? It's like, I want that with me. I want him on my team. So I'm, I just want to speak to this isn't the IHOP. This is for other people who might be watching this because I know some of you have ditched Mike and some of you ditched him because of something you think you might have heard someone say that may or may not be true. And so you're going to ditch all of that. 50 years of prayer, teaching, you know, a, a lifestyle. And I thank God for a simple lifestyle. He could have made so much money and be living this lavish life, but he lived this way for all of those years. You're going to ditch all of that and all the ridiculous stories because you heard something from a friend. I would say you are so foolish. And also you better be careful because the spirit of God dwells inside of him and you so easily depart from a son of God. I just can't do that. I get it. I get it. There's differences. But aren't you eager to maintain the unity? I just met Chris Reed. 
um, your gift in the prophetic. And uh, I feel like there's a, there's a movie that, when, when I think of you, I think of this movie um, that's, uh, it's, 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 it's not prophetic, but it almost feels like it. And it's about this wrestler uh, named Nacho. And, uh, but in the, in the movie, oh, some of you are familiar with it? Okay. But in the movie, okay, there is a point when he scales this mountain to get to these eagle eggs, right? Right? Because he thinks they're going to give him power. And so he eats of the eagle egg, right? Which was, it was an amazing feat to get up that cliff. And, uh, but then he goes to his next wrestling match, assuming I'm going to have these eagle powers. You know, I was told, and he loses. And he gets so mad. He's like, those eggs have no power, you know? And, but, okay, you may or may not have caught this. But at the end of the movie, I didn't catch it the first five times. That's why I don't have time to read. But at the end of the movie, when he, remember when he actually defeats Ramses, okay? He dives and he, di he flies far. And the sound of an eagle, right? Oh, I didn't catch it till later. Ah, oh, the eagle powers did hit him. I don't know if you guys caught that. But okay, the reason why I bring that up, there's a point. Um, I, when I started studying the scriptures about the Holy Spirit, I would expect this power, you know? And even as I was diving in, the more I said, I go, no, there should be more power. And I wasn't seeing it. And sometimes I, I, I'd get in more charismatic circles, but it almost felt a little forced or not quite there. And then, no, I mean, the, the way God has used you this week, not just here in the evening meetings, but throughout our time together, I'm going, wow, that's, that's the power I was looking for. The power of God and the way that you always couple it with the scriptures. Um, I haven't seen that before. Your knowledge of the word of God coupled with that. And it's, it's weird though. It's, I think, you know, sometimes when you're young, you're, you're, and maybe somebody goes, Ooh, I wish I had that gift. I wish I had, I'm not even, I don't, I'm not jealous of the gift. What I, what I marvel at when I, when I think about it, is I go, Whoa. So at those moments, God almighty speaks to you. I'll be honest, I'm a little jealous of that. It's the relationship of God trusts you to speak for him. And he talks to you and he tells you something out of his love for you. And I get it. Some of you watching, you'll see him do the prophetic thing. And because you don't believe in the gifts, you'll distance yourself from him. And again, I'm telling you, you're crazy. Because he is a gift from God 
to the body. And I get it. There are differences that maybe we bear with. Okay, I'm not used to some of the things you do. I'm not used to even the way you talk and scream sometimes. I, no, I'm, I'm just being honest. Like, it's that Pentecostal, ah, and I'm like, ah, I don't, I don't really do that. And, uh, you know, and sometimes, you know, some of the things I, I'm not saying I agree with everything with these guys. Okay, but I'm going, I'm not going to let go of all of that. That humble power of God. I want him on my team. I go, I need you. Right? Why, why would you go, well, but, but, but he yells. Oh, yeah, so I don't need you anymore. Let me distance, because you yell. Really? And I heard something about Mike. So, okay, yeah, yeah, just distance yourself. Yeah, just see how it works out for you. But I'm like, and I don't dare separate from these guys, the spirit of God in them. Let's move to Eric. (laughs) I'm just, I just want to say, God has given him a gift, um, and I know it's given you a gift with words that is outrageous. There are so many times you say something, and I go, I wish I could say it like that. I wish I could. That's, you put words exactly what I wanted to say. Now, there's other times where I go, I'm, I mean, there's times I cringe when you talk. I, no, let's, let's just lay it out there, right? Right? I'm sure your wife cringes, right? There. Okay. Exactly. But that's it. That's it. But you know what I've learned? You may have impacted me most of anyone this week as far as courage and boldness and, and restoring something in me. A boldness to say, you know, I'll stand with you and I'll take all of your enemies. I'll take it. Because every time I take these, I lose, you gotta understand, I lose friends every time I commit to one of these guys. And that's just, that, that's just it. I mean, it's, 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 it's really not that funny. It's actually sad, you know, where we are at, but it's, it's just what happens. Suddenly he's like, whoa, Francis, you were, you were with that big prophet guy from, you know, you know, yep. I'm not into that stuff. And they start to question you. You you sat next to Eric? You said he? Yep. I get it. Maybe he's more Republican than, than I am. Just laying it out, throwing it out there. But that's not going to make me distance. And the more I understand him... It, he is fighting for a freedom of speech. And he's exemplifying that. For whether you're a Democrat or Republican, he wants us to be free to voice. And then he exemplifies it as he feels very free to voice. No, I, and I, I admire that. And if I'm going to war, I want him on my side. 
I want that mouth on my side. <laughs> Ken Fish, um, of our group, I mean, not of everyone, but I go, of our group, I think we'd agree that, that you are probably the strangest. Um, I mean, would you guys agree? Like, the, it's, okay, thanks, Eric. I knew I, I knew I had you for sure. Um, no, here's what I have so admired about you, Ken, is you, you keep pretty quiet and you'll let others defer to others. Smart people don't usually do that. Um, if you've met many intelligent people, and I believe the six of us in a room would all, if we had to vote who is the smartest guy in the room, we would all point to you. And yet there's a humility about that. But here's what I really love about you is when I look at your children, you know, your, your, your daughter who's married prophesied over me today in such a beautiful, amazing way that doesn't just happen, okay? The way you've raised your kids, and I know the struggles that you and your wife must go through, and the integrity and, and the perseverance and everything you have. And I, I don't even know all of your gifts. Other people here have experienced them, but I'm just saying for you as a man and what you've done. And I, 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 and other people are so quick to just go, you're, you're done. You're done because of this or that or whatever it may be. And I'm going, man, I've loved standing with you. And I'm sure there's haters out there of you. Um, are there? Yeah, okay. And uh, it's good. It's all good. And I, I feel like I, I get that from you, Eric. Like you just go, I'll take it. I'll tell you, what, what kind of man are you going to be? That every time it might hurt your reputation, you're going to betray? And so you won't stand with that person that you know has the spirit of God in them. And that's how little your fear of God is? That, that's crazy to me. And then there's Andy. He's the only one I think that has no enemies. So, right? I, I, I'm, I'm being honest here. Like, how do you not like Andy Bird? Okay, so that one's easy. I don't have to worry like, oh no, people are gonna be mad. I like Andy Bird, you know. Everyone likes Andy Bird, so we'll just skip him. Um, but he, there's, a, there's just a, uh, there's a power about him and, and he's probably the one I'm closest to. And uh, um, if you ever doubt whether God's blessing is on his life, Ask him to show you his wedding picture. <laughs> it is the most ridiculous thing. There was no, it, I, you know, I partially, I noticed something when I was a youth. I'd noticed like the most homely looking youth pastors would have these gorgeous wives. And I thought, I'll become a youth pastor, you know? But in 40 years, I've never seen a bigger gap than your wedding picture. Seriously, I should have brought it tonight. It is outrageous. It is 
It is the weirdest thing. You go, no, 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 that's not real. That is not real. God has blessed him. Um, so I, I say this, I just go, you know what? Um, we've had such a great time together this week. And I believe it's a picture, though, that was supposed to be for the church to understand that there's a cost to unity. We all think it's all beautiful, but the reality is I, I really have lost a lot of friends um, by deciding to unify with other streams in the body of Christ. And I know that there are some that are listening right now and watching that you're going to distance yourself from me after these two weeks. And, and I'm okay with it. But what I want to say to you is, I don't think you really want to do that. Um, I, I don't think you really want to distance yourself from me either. Not just these guys. Because you know what? Despite how... Whatever is said, I'm a child of God and he loves me. He's shown me that my whole life. The way he's answered my prayers, the way he's put me in places I don't belong. I feel so blessed and loved and secure despite what the accuser tries to say to me in my own flesh, despite what others try to tell me I am, I see what the word of God says about me and God has shown me that he loves me. And I'm okay personally with you distancing yourself, but I'm just saying, you know, as Mike is a gift to the body of Christ, and as these other guys are a gift to the body of Christ, I'm just going to say it. I'm a gift to the body of Christ. Because God tells me that I am. And I'm not going to listen to anyone else. But I also want to say to you guys that I just mentioned. Um, I want to exhort you. Please. Please don't let me down. Don't let pride change you. Don't get cocky if God starts using you in greater ways because it, 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 it affects me too. And everyone's like, oh, see, look, you were partnered with Ken Fish. Oh, you, you, were, you were buddies with Metaxas. And look what, you guys, don't do that. Okay, because now you're hurting us. Okay, don't, don't chase after the glory. Don't, don't get greedy too. Eric, if your books do rise and start to sell like mine do, don't, um, <laughs> like, 
in all seriousness, I'll bring it back. No, but I'm serious. Like, that's something that happens where the greed and suddenly you start living this opulent lifestyle because you can rather than caring for the needy and using those resources for them. Like when you start living that way, now it doesn't just affect you because I've committed to you. Okay, and if there's any, if there's any of that stuff where you guys are looking and considering anything that would break the bond between you and your wives, any seed in your heart, any look in your eyes, any addiction to pornography, you're looking at, man, seriously, you guys, man, it's not just about you anymore. Okay, I'm going to take a hit for you guys. Okay, I get that and I will take it. But I'm telling you, seriously, don't screw this up. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm being serious right now because it affects the body. Okay, so we live holy lives out of a fear of God. And that's why I am joining with you guys. I see the fear of God. I see the humility, but don't lose that. And don't ruin this thing because it happens. I, I, there's been power this week because of the unity. And I don't, I'm not trying to put a damper on things. I'm trying to be realistic about what the enemy wants to do. He hates what's happened these last couple of weeks. And if we're not aware of the warfare that's coming our way because he hates this so much, we need to wake up to it. Okay, I'm getting serious. I have gotten so much more serious this week. We joke about the reading study thing, but I'm serious. Like I'm, I'm, I'm getting into it. I'm getting my kids into it. I'm preparing them for this. I mean, it's, 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 it's a shift in mindset, which is what I wanted out of this. We're headed into a serious war. And I want to be together with you because you guys have loved me so well and loved my family so well. And that's why I exhort you because I'm saying the same things to myself. I don't want to let you down. I don't want to fumble. You know, it's, it's that same football analogy we used this week earlier about we're, we're about to score, but any one of us could screw it up. You know, and everyone's got to play their part. And I want you to understand the thing about us this week that we found is we have a common goal. We have a common goal that Ken is not out to lift up the name of Ken. Eric is not here to lift up the name of Eric. Mike is not here to lift up the name of Mike. And he's, we're, we're all together going, gosh, we're not even thinking about ourselves. We're thinking about the next generation. How can we come alongside of them? How can we lift them up? How can we all be behind the send? How can we figure out how to get this next generation to live differently? How, how could the future church actually be unified and bear with one another and be eager to maintain this unity? How can we exemplify this for them? How do we teach them to be humble and to care for the orphan and the widow and to not live lavish lifestyles, but to be simple so that others can live? How do we do this? How can we build in and protect them? 
See, I got a word the first time I went to YWAM over to Andy's thing. And again, Andy was in that whole YWAM group was a group I was taught to distance myself from. You know, because there were some different theologies and things like that. So, so stay, stay away from them. But then when I finally went and got to know them, I was blown away. And the first time I stepped into one of their meetings, it was like, I, if it wasn't the audible voice of God, somehow God spoke to me. And I'm walking to my seat and God says, these are your children. Protect your children. Like my child, what are you saying? I, I've spoken at hundreds, if not thousands, of places, and I've never heard God speak to me as I'm walking to my chair. And I'm telling God, did you just say these are my children and protect my children? And I'm sitting at my seat like, what just happened? I don't know if Lindy was leading or someone and worship's going on and I just had to close my eyes and apologize to God. Go, God, I'm sorry. I've asked to hear your voice. Now that I think I hear you, I'm questioning whether it's really you. And going, God, did you just say these are my children and that they, that I'm supposed to protect my children? I'm just having this private conversation as we're worshiping. And then the guy next to me, sitting next to me, who I don't know, whispers in my ear, Francis, these are your children. <laughs> okay, first of all, why are you talking right now? I'm having like a time with the, I've never interrupted when someone's in, like this in prayer during worship. I don't go, hey. But he does, and he says the exact words that God spoke to me. These are your, so I just bawl my eyes out. One of the next times I go to Kona, crazy thing, I'm reading through the scriptures because in our church we read through the Bible every year. And uh, we're in Numbers chapter 8. And so I read Numbers chapter 8, and I never noticed Numbers chapter 8 before. I've read it, but it just, I don't get it. I, I, I get it, but it has nothing to do with me. I just kind of browse through it. I mean, it's one of those books you kind of fly through. And, um, but Numbers 8, verse 23, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, this applies to the Levites from 25 years old and upward. They shall come to do duty in the service of the tent of meeting. And for the age of 50 years, they shall withdraw from the duty of service and serve no more. They minister to their brothers in the tent of meeting by keeping guard, but they shall do no service. And I thought, what? And the re reason why it jumped out to me was I was 50 years old that year. And I'm going, wait, from 25, wait, I, and, I, and I wrestled with the Lord. I go, so you're telling me that if I lived in Old Testament times, now that I'm 50, I would have to retire from my service? And I seriously had this battle with the Lord. I go, that's crazy because I feel so strong. I mean, honestly, physically at 50, 
That was the best shape. I believe that was the best shape of my life. Honey, would you agree? I was ripped at 50. No, I was pushing it hard, CrossFit, lifting. I mean, I was like, I was impressed with myself. I'm just going, God, I feel, Andy, what? I wasn't I? Okay, thank you, specimen. I like that word. I mean, I'm going, God, physically at 50, I feel strong. I feel like mentally I'm there. I've got all this background in ministry. So why would you have me step down for some 25-year-old? And now all I'm supposed to do is, is kind of protect him. And God revealed to me, he goes, look, what are you going to do? If you wait till you're 75, then that kid doesn't get a chance till he's 50. You wait till you're 100. If you live to be 100, that guy doesn't get to start till he's 75. He goes, there's a pattern here. I wanted you while you still had the energy at 50 to guard the next generation, to protect. These are your children. And then I realized, whoa, he says guard. That was a word from the Lord. These are your children. Protect your children. And God has been revealing to me this last month, remember the word I spoke to you out of Numbers 8. In fact, when I went home to the elders, you know, in San Francisco of my church, I go, I go man, when I read Numbers 8, God was clear to me, I need to step down. You guys, I, I think God's telling me to step down as elder, and I just kind of support you guys. And then one of my elders go, ooh, I forgot to tell you. When we were in Kona, some old man, I don't know who he was, said, tell Francis to read Numbers chapter 8. And I go, and you forgot to tell me that? That's pretty significant, too. Um... This is why we don't want these 25-year-olds, you know, but I, I go, whoa, that was a word from the Lord. And so I'm trying to eat, and it was actually, I think it was Isaac, uh, when you, um, at one of the meetings here, you said something about uh, stewarding. When the Lord speaks to you, stewarding those words well, and my wife actually confronted me after hearing you say that. Thanks. And uh, saying, hey, that word from YWAM, did you steward that well? I go, you know, you're right. That this next season isn't about you, Francis. It's about you while you have the energy building up this younger generation and guarding them and leading them and making sure they, they avoid some of these pitfalls of pride and lust and greed so that they can actually let them lead, but you be right there guarding them, that they don't fall into some of these traps. Because sometimes we've heard guys like me that will preach till we're 90 years old, and now suddenly we're saying things that don't even make sense, boring people to death, but we're not going to let go because we want to stay in charge. And that's hurt the church because we didn't pass it on at an age young enough to where we would actually protect them and guide them and guard them and lead them. You know, I think that's what a lot of this is about this week. I've got these two candles. These candles represent 
me and my son. I love my son. They represent me and my son. And I know your initial thought is, okay, there's you and there's your son. Nope. I'm the candle that's been burnt down to almost nothing. I've lived my life. What is the point of lighting me and putting this up on it? You know, some candlestick holder. You know, it, you know, and Mike is like, I don't know, way down here. It's just, no, but, but I want you to think about this. Like, I recognize the wisest thing I can do is take whatever light I have and, and light some of you 25-year-olds. You've got a whole lifetime of service ahead of you. And I seriously, this next season of my life, because before this month, I was saying, God, you are going to show me what I'm supposed to do in this next season of life. And he's revealed it to me over this month. And he's shown me so clearly, this is you. It's not about you. You've done what you need to do. And now your responsibility is to protect these children to build into them, to start a new generation of power that's united. And so if you're in this room, I, I want you to think about this next season of life. Man, I've taken this seriously. See, I, I took my kids before I came here. I took them to Alaska. And I told them, look, no telephones. We're not using cell phones. We're not using any screens. No iPads, no movies, nothing. Because I, I want your mind to get clear again. I, I'm, I'm, I, I see what's coming. And now more clearly, I understand what's happening at the end. And it's my responsibility to, to get my kids who have a full life in front of them strong enough to survive what's coming. You know, and so my 15 year old son isn't with me here in Kansas City. You know why? Because at the end of the trip to Alaska, I thought, man, I want him to be strong. I, I need him to know how to, how to sacrifice. And, and I, I talked to him, I go, hey, if I could talk to one of these Alaskan fishing boat captains and, and if they agree to take you on one of those ships, to where you learn how to work like day and night and keep up with like five grown men on one of those crazy fishing boats. I think it'd be good for you to learn how to work like that and sacrifice like that and be strong like that. Would you do it? He says, yeah, dad. So he's in the middle of the Gulf of Alaska right now <laughs> on a fishing boat these last two weeks. Hardly see, you know, and then we'll FaceTime. I've only gotten through to him once. And I'm just so proud of him. I go, man, you're, you're becoming a man, dude. This is it. Because I'm thinking about your future. I'm doing this because I love you, man. I want you to know what it means to endure and persevere. Because hard times are coming. See, this is the role that we are in. Okay, so I hope if you're 50, 60, 70, you're not just thinking, oh, how come there's no retreat for me? Or there's not enough for, are you still thinking about yourself? No, the send is the retreat for you. To build into the next generation, to light these candles with everything you've learned. It's time for you to invest and protect this next generation. And so I'm pumped about it. I know this is a thing of God. I've heard all the stories, seen all the signs and everything else, and he's put it in my heart. 
I I must decrease, you know? And even as a father, I'm telling my kids, I need to decrease. And God has to increase as your father. There needs to be a shift now. He's your true father. And I can get you closer and closer to him because he's the one you can depend on. It's not about dad anymore. It's not about us anymore. That's what the send is about. Man, most of you know, most of us grew up in a generation and a youth group that was not thinking about seeking the face of God. And I've been blown away, not just here at IHOP, but other churches in Kansas City and youth groups that I've been to where I see teenagers that are praying to like one in the morning just to seek the face of God. Teenagers, groups of them, a couple times a week. They want to, I go, no one talked like that when I was in youth group. I'm seeing a generation that is seriously saying, I'll go anywhere. That was not my thinking as a teenager, as a Christian teenager in youth group. I was not considering being sent. But there's a generation right now, and they're serious. And so what are we going to do with our lives? with what's left, make more about ourselves, buy stuff for ourselves, or pour into the next generation and go, you know what? I want my kids to grow up in a different kind of church than what I grew up in. I want them to grow up in a church where people don't betray each other and slander each other and divide over every little thing. I want them to grow up in a church and form churches where they take a stand and they speak out against injustices in the world. They don't just hide. I really, this whole Bonhoeffer spirit that we've been talking about, we believe in this. And we see God has begun something here. And I'm just begging you all, jump in with us. Protect this next generation Don't fumble this. Don't blow this. Don't get so focused on yourself. I had to tell my whole family, you guys have followed me around long enough. You followed me to San Francisco, to Hong Kong, and back. And you know what? Now it's my time to build into you what is God calling you to do, and I'm going to support you. It's not about Francis Chan anymore. It's about Zeke. It's about Ellie. It's about mercy. It's about Rachel. It's about Peter and Justin, Claire. It's it's about them. And that's what I'm devoted to. And that's what I believe the message God has called me to send to you is set that example. Let's not betray one another anymore. Let's set a new example. Let's not be about ourselves anymore. And let's be about the next generation. And so with that, I want to bring Andy up because I said, you know what? I God's given him a gift. I, I, he says, okay, you just close it as the spirit leads. You're going, no, it's better. It's better. Like God's given you a gift. I don't, every time we've been together, we've experienced God in crazy ways, Right. More than when we're alone. That's why it's like, I don't want to be apart from this. I don't know what the future is going to look like. I just know I want to be by your side, buddy. Seriously. I'm serious, man. I don't know anyone I'd rather be with. Wow. Wow. 
Seriously, and Mike, your example to us, man, it's like, I don't want to ever divide from you. Okay? We're body. And at my, I fight for purity more now because I know you guys depend on me to do that. And will fight for my humility and simplicity in my life. Because wow. I'm not going to let the team down. I'm not going to turn my back on you. And I know I kind of tiptoed into this thing, but I'm in it now. And so Andy, whatever the spirit is leading you and Mike to lead us into. I, I, I love this. You, you know that we hear this and we say, wow, wow, wow. I like what Eric said the other day. He said, this is normal Christianity. This is an extra credit to live this way. This is what believers do. He's just doing what believers do. But I, I just got one thought is that I would like the 40 and older crowd that is saying, because it's when you're 40, you've got to be a spiritual dad and mom when you're 40. You can't wait till you're even 50 and 60. If you're hearing this and saying, I need to make some adjustments or I want to buy into what he just said about sowing into the next generation and thinking about them. I'd like you to stand. I want to pray for that group. And then we could do a few other things. But I, th this, is, this was absolutely the word of the Lord to us. This thing is about, when I first met Bob Jones, 38 years ago, he said, I was 27 years old. He goes, da-da-da-da, this movement, worshiping. He goes, it's for your children and your grandchildren. I was 27. We had a two-year-old and a four-year-old boy, and they're both here, and my grandchildren are here. And I went, my grandchildren? Bob Jones says, it will be past my day. I won't even be here. I'll be with the Lord. You'll be an old man. This thing I'm talking about is for your grandchildren. They will be in their strength. I couldn't even comprehend what he was talking about. It was 38 years ago. I've ran into a lot of folks that are 30, 40, 50 years old. I'm looking for a spiritual father. And I said, I'm happy that you are, but be one. I mean, if you get one, that's cool. You probably won't, but go be one. Go be one right now. And a lot of 40-year-olds, it's just like, what? What are I going? There's a whole bunch of 14 and 18-year-olds that are waiting on you to be a spiritual mother and father. Here we are, Lord. Francis, that was, man, you just washed us. You just washed us. Thank you, Lord. We were washed tonight. Here we are, Father. I say, come Holy Spirit. Just touch us. Just wait on the Lord for a moment. Here we are, Father. Malachi 4, 6. The hearts of the fathers, male, female, will turn to the children. The 40 and ups will turn to the 5 to the 20-year-olds. We're going to turn to them. Father Malachi 4, 6, here we are. Come, Holy Spirit. Just got to wait on the Lord for a moment. Come and manifest your presence on our hearts right now. More, Lord.
I'm asking for more of his manifest presence to rest on us right now. More, Lord. Release your fire. Release your fire. Generations waiting on us. Waiting all of us around the world. All the folks our age. They're waiting on us. There's more kids under 20. I don't really know the real numbers in the earth than all the other ages above 20. Something like that. They're waiting on us. More, Lord. Use your fire. Here we are, Lord. Lord, give us your heart for the younger ones. Change the conversation inside of us. Let us ask different questions. Let us be burdened about different things. Them, not just us. We're asking you, Lord, to help shift the conversation in our soul. More, Lord. Lord, release your presence right now. Release your glory right now on hearts and minds. It's going to wait a few more moments. It's a special moment right now. If the thing shifts in us, even a few degrees, our lives will change. Even a little shift in this direction will change what we say and think in the next 10 years. Tonight could be a life-shifting moment in your life. Tonight can. Right now, by hearing this. I have the worship team come up if they would. We're just going to stay here for a few more moments. We're going to worship it here till ten, and again, I the prayer room opens at ten. You can go back down there if you want to continue. There'll be live worship teams, and the doors will be open. Marcus, Malachi four, five, and six. Marcus, the spirit. The Lord said, "The spirit of Elijah." I mean, Elijah will come. Malachi 4, 5. That's the spirit of prophecy. Elijah will come and turn the hearts. Lord, I ask for the spirit of prophecy. I ask for the spirit of prophecy to rest on us in a greater measure, but a spirit of prophecy that would shift us and our mindset to the younger ones. I ask for dreams, visions, words of knowledge, Holy Spirit inspiration that shifts us to the group under us. In Jesus' name, I pray for the release of the spirit of Elijah, the spirit of prophecy, the Holy Spirit. Lord, let us ask the questions you're asking that you want us to ask about the 15 and the 20-year-olds. Let us see what you see and feel what you feel when you look at the 22-year-olds. Let us see what you see and feel what you feel when we look at the 22-year-olds and the 18-year-olds. Lord, we believe you for this. 
Now, I'm gonna, this is a little bit strange. I'm going to ask the, the, the 20-somethings and younger to actually stand up and be the ministry team. And one of these old guys that are praying, just go lay your hands on their shoulder. And I want you to pray any verse, Bible verse that comes to your mind. Don't even try to be prophetic. Let me share some on that. Mike. If a Bible verse just comes to your mind, just say it over them. We're going to do that. Isaac's going to say something in a minute. But the Holy Spirit, I want to tell you this, really does things. If you'll go to someone, you don't have to try to be prophetic. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Just say a Bible verse over them. And I'm telling you this, I've watched this for many years. About half the time, it will be like a prophetic arrow. Don't even try to make it. Just pray a verse over them and move around. We're going to do this in a few moments. I was just going to say something. But I want the 20-somethings and under. You're the ministry team. Move around. You don't have to be stuck to the two feet each way. Move around the room. This is a big living room. We're a family. And anybody that's over 40 that's got their posture of prayer, just go pray any verse. You don't have to say it right. Paraphrase the verse, but say it over them. Go ahead, Isaac. Yeah, I want to encourage even those that are 39 and younger to be a part of the ministry team. And I'm going to keep this really short. This verse suddenly came to me because I believe that we're living in one of the most narcissistic generations as young people that we've ever seen. And we're so fixated upon ourselves. And Paul tells us in Corinthians that the gospel has saved us from ourselves. And this verse came to me out of Genesis 45. It was so random. And this is about the hearts of the sons and daughters turning towards the mothers and fathers that they would see their promises. Because as young people, we love when the attention is on us, but the Lord doesn't want us to have attention on ourselves, but to turn to the mothers and the fathers and listen to this. This is when news gets back to Jacob that Joseph is still alive. Hear me on this. If you're praying, just focus on that. That's okay, but hear me on this. Genesis 45. They told him, Jacob, saying, Joseph is still alive and he is governor of all the land of Egypt. And it says that Jacob's heart stood still because he did not believe them. But when they told him the words with which Joseph had said to them, and when he saw the carts which Joseph had sent with him, listen to this, this is the key phrase, the spirit of Jacob, their father, revived. The very next verse, that's verse 27, the very next verse, the spirit of Jacob, their father, revived. Then. Israel said, it is enough. Listen, when the dreams of the mothers and the fathers revive, their name changes into the identity of the name that the Lord had previously called them. Jacob's heart revives and then it says, Israel, the name that God had given him, says, it is enough. And beloved, we want to see the promises come to the mothers and fathers. Amen. So I want to release you again. I know Mike released you, those that are 39 and under, to begin to lay hands on the mothers and fathers and to bless them. Father, we ask in the name of Jesus 
for the mothers and fathers, those that have labored for decades for the promises of heaven to come, those that have sown in tears, those that have plowed dry fields, those that have removed stones, those that have labored for the gospel, those that have labored in the workplace, those that have labored for something, believing that there would be a day that their eyes would see the salvation of God, just like Simeon and just like Anna. And Father, we ask that you would release your power and that you would revive the heart of Jacob that you would revive the heart of the Simeons and the Annas in this hour and that they would be strengthened by the might of your spirit and that their eyes would see what you promised to them in their 20s. That their eyes would see what you promised to them in their 30s, in their teen years when you marked them and called them. Father, don't let the dreams of your heart that you've put inside of them die. In the name of Jesus.